Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Give you thanks. Um, we're blind to a lot of the things that you desire, Lord. We're deaf. We don't hear your voice clearly. Uh, we are hearing the cry of this world, Lord. And, and the anxiety and the worry in our heart is proof evident that the cares of this life are weighing more heavily on us than the things of eternity, which bring more stability and peace. So we pray that this morning, Lord, your word uh, would resonate in our hearts and in our minds, Lord, that we would understand, that we would be in tuned with what you're doing here upon the earth, Lord, what you're about to do upon the earth, Lord. Father, what moves us is not the crisis of the present economy or political change, Lord. What moves us is the Spirit of God, the presence of our Lord, the cloud of the Lord that leads us where we should go. Because we know that you are our source for everything we'll need, Lord, and in an abundant measure, Lord. Your grace is sufficient. So, Father, pray, I pray today, Lord, that, that your word would be heard by your church and that your church would be prepare herself for what you want for her and through her in this season. Give us that heart and that desire to, to be tied into what you're doing upon the earth, Lord. And we want to live for your glory. We want to live uh, obedient to your instruction even more as the day of your coming approaches, Lord. Have your way this morning as we share your word. Bless it and prosper it in the heart of your people, Lord. Let it make us wise so that we can make decisions consistent with your purpose upon the earth, Lord. We offer ourselves up to you, Lord, so that you might lead us, Lord. And we give you thanks for this word. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the verses that I learned last year, which has been such a blessing, is 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. There are very little people that know what's going on, and, and some people are at a loss for knowing what God is doing upon the earth. But this particular verse talks about the descendants of a man named Issachar. And it says that the sons of Issachar, they were very familiar with their understanding of the times. A lot of people don't know what is about to take place upon the earth. Some people are expecting a depression like the 1920s, 1929, where there was a great economic crash in the United States. Unemployment was higher than ever, and people were barely being able to drink a bowl of soup a day to sustain themselves. And without considering that... Those that study uh, the economic trends of the world, they're expecting uh, all the nations of the earth to fall into great bankruptcy. And it's already taking place as they start to reveal that a lot of these countries have lied uh, with regards to their resources. And when they're asking for foreign credit, when they're asking other countries for money, it's based on what they're able to produce and what their standing is. Well, they just found out that a lot of these countries had none of the collateral that they said. So they, they can't collect, those, those people that extended credit, 
and money to them. They can't collect, and, and these nations are bankrupt. And so they're expecting that the United States will follow in stride uh, because of uh, the amount of, of money that we're spending with regards to the assets we have. Um, so great will be an economic stress in our days, but that's not what's important. It's the, it will affect us, uh, but what's more important is what is God doing? What, what is his schedule? What is his agenda? And it says that the sons or the men of Issachar, the sons of this man, they understood the times and they knew what Israel should do. And, and that's what I pray on a daily basis uh, for this church and for our life, that we would know the times, that we're not taken by the winds of, of concerns of this world, but that we would be followed up in what God wants us to understand. And once you understand the times, then you'll know what to do. You'll know how to proceed forward. And, and there's always been a piece about this when you're following God, you're not, you're, not, you're not lost for where you should be and what you should be doing. And that's the key here in these days. We want to be connected with the Lord. And um, a lot of people, because they're not connected to the Lord, when certain things take place, uh, the term taken for a loop, um, if you're on the edge, I've always said, if you're on the edge of a boat and, and you're goofing around and all of a sudden the boat turns, you fall off the boat. And, and it was all a matter of just not paying attention. And I believe that many people, because they're not going to be paying attention, will lose their way in this time. Um, we need to begin to walk in such a way as it says in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, that there's going to be different seasons and, ver and very different times. Uh, some people live like they're always going to live a summer season. Some people think that there's always going to be a harvest. Well, the Bible says that during the existence of the earth, there will always be seed time and harvest. You have to know when to sow. Some people just want to reap. They just want to harvest and they don't want to sow. I believe a lot of what we're doing is sowing. I believe that that, that time of sowing is not a time that people want to participate. People all want to be here when? The harvest. They want to... They're going to put their, their basket. Hey, no. There's a time to sow. There's a time to work the ground. There's a time to plow. There's a time to, to put seed in so that you have a return in the harvest. And this is, is not only a, a spiritual truth that whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. A lot of people are praying and not sowing. Well, it's not what you pray that you reap. It's what you sow. And you could always know that there's a time to sow and there's a time to reap. But there's also a time for cold and there's a time for heat. And I don't know about you, but I've been a Christian long enough to know that there's been some seasons in my life where I'm cold. I'm cold in the things of the Lord. I'm far from that, ah, it feels good. And so you have to be mature. 
because a lot of people don't know what to do in cold seasons. In cold season is the time to be still, the time to gather, the time to draw closer. And some people say, oh, it's cold? Well, forget it. I'm leaving then. No, that's not the time where you're supposed to follow your sentiment. You got to be careful because cold seasons will come. The winter season will come. You should put away in the summer so that when winter comes, you shack down and you learn from the ant and you have provision during those down times. But some people are not mature like that. Some people are always expecting a high. You know, ah, and, and they, they, want, they, want the, they want this part of the life always to be, no. The Bible says there clearly. Um, keep that verse up there. It says that there'll be a cold time, there'll be a time of heat. And, and we need to discern these things. It also says there's going to be a summer and a winter time. And I know that the summertime is the time to be out and about and enjoy and have What's this all? We had joy, we had fun, we had seasons in the sun, and it's great. You know, they, they write songs about this experience. And, and then there's the time for the winter. There's time for, for cold, and this happens in our marriage, it happens in our friendships, it happens uh, in our relationships with church and stuff like that. Let us understand this and not be so immature to always consider um, that season in the sun. Daytime and nighttime, the same thing. These things will never cease. I don't know if, if you understand that, that th this is all done in the normal course of God's reality in our lives. And we need to set this in and say, okay, God, I, I, I could hold on to this. I could wait through the night season. The morning's about to come. I, I could hold on. You know, as I enter into a winter season, and, and I was explaining this to the men in our Tuesday night Bible study, I said, there were times that, you know, I would make money from January to June and then not make any money for the rest of the year. And I, I was rejoicing. Why was I rejoicing? Because God had been faithful. God had been faithful in the beginning of the year. And then some years I would, I would expect that new year to come around and say, I'm going to make money again. I would make no money from January to June. And, and it was a time to sow. It was a time to work the field. It was a time to serve. Because if you serve, there's going to be a return. And then at the end of the year, there was the harvest. There came the provision of God. If we're going to be the people of God grounded, let me tell you something. There's going to be a lot of winds of change. There's going to be things happening, things coming, things going. You need to be grounded in truth. And the word of God is truth. So as these highs and these lows, these, these dark times and times of visibility and clarity, you need, to, you need to be wise and prudent. You need to be mature. For many moms, uh, young mothers especially, when they're raising three small kids, it's a dark time. It's a time to say, man, I just want to run and get lost. I want to hide. The kid's mom, and she's hiding. Uh, you know, she's hiding in the closet. Give me half hour break. Well, you know, that's just a season. That's just, say it's just a season. You know, and I go around and say that to a lot of these women. It's just a season. Good times are coming when they're, they're all raised. And, and now, now you get, you know, everything you sowed into the life of your children comes back as a harvest. 
And we need to know that because there's going to be perilous times upon the earth. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to take place, even in your relationship with your friends, your relationship with your family, your relationship with your business. All these things have seasons in time. You're to rejoice in all of them. In the good, it's a season. Get ready for it to come to an end. In the bad, it's a season. It's going to come to an end. And in the ugly, it's just a season. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Ecclesiastes 3 says it best when it says there's a time for everything under the sun. There's a season for everything under heaven. I don't know if you're prepared for that. I've, I've seen these things in my life and, and I said, it was a season. It's, this is the season I'm in. Let me rejoice and go forward. There's a time for things to be birthed and there's a time for things to die. And, and some of us aren't ready for these things. Some of us, we, we want to serve the Lord while things are birthed and living and we rejoice. But when it comes to a time where we have to say, hey, goodbye, goodbye. This is the time where, where this thing has to be put away because God uh, is, is seeing it through in that manner. A time to be born, verse 2, a time to die, a time to sow, a time to, to even uproot, which is the total opposite of sowing. The uprooting is, is you take the roots out and, and you remove them and you know that that thing is going to perish and not be fruitful anymore. And we need to be like the sons of Issachar to understand what season we're in. What is the time of our season? Some people will not understand these things and would have lost what God wanted to do. I'm consistent with the fact that I know that a lot of what's going to happen tomorrow depends on what I'm doing today. And I can't have an expectation for tomorrow if today I'm, me I'm being negligent, if I'm being blind. A lot of people want something good to come out of tomorrow when they haven't prepared for it today. And, and I, I say that there is a time for all these things. A time to kill, a time to heal. And you say, kill what? Kill what? That doesn't sound biblical. Well, Colossians 3 verse 2 says, kill your members with our, which are upon the earth. Kill that stuff that holds you down to earthly ways. Set your mind on heavenly things. Verse 3, it says there in Colossians 3 3, put to death. You have died. Now your life is hidden in Christ. Let's go to verse 1 on that Colossians 3 1. Since you're seated on high with Christ in the things above, be, 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 consider what, what are God's plans in this season? What, what is God about in your life? What is he trying to do? And then finally in Ecclesiastes 3, it goes back in verse 11, and he says, he's made everything beautiful in his time. Everything makes sense when we, when we see God's time schedule. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. In all these things, I want to tell you that I don't know what else is happening upon the earth, but I know that there's something called the people of God. I know something called the church. I know something called those that are walking out what God desires. There are some people that have no clue. Um, the worldly people, they come into the house of God. And they see uh, those of us that are, that are 
involved in these things and they wonder, what, what, what's their motive? Why would these people be going to church uh, when they could be doing so many things? I'm going to tell you why. We're waiting for the revelation of what God has said, what he's promised. There's an expectation that, that God is going to come through in what he has promised. And, and some people feel like Elijah when he says, I'm the only one here on Sunday morning. Yes, you are, my friend. And that's a good sign. That's a good sign that you're persevering. That's a good sign that you're pressing into the kingdom. Let's read Romans 11 verse 1. Where it says, what happened to all the people? Has God rejected them? By no means. I'm a descendant of Abraham, says Paul. I'm the one that comes from the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 2, God did not reject his people. Don't you know that the scripture says in the passage about Elijah, how he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. Some of us, as we see other people not responding to the words of God, we see that they're acting contrary to the times of the Lord. This is the time to hear the men of God. Well, there's some people killing the men of God, not physically, but the word death means separation. This is not a time to separate yourself from the man of God. This is not the time to run away and say, I'm the only one. They have torn down your altars. There's people that have decided to run from this place to not be before the altar of God. And he says, I'm the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. There's some people here today that are, are just surviving. They're just about to go just like the ones that aren't here anymore. They're about to throw in the towel and says, I'm going to go find a better hobby. And that's how Elijah was thinking he was the only one holding the banner. But what's the Lord respond in verse 4? He says, the Lord answered, hey, mister, you're not the only one living this life. Amen. You're not the only special one who's holding on. Everybody else has thrown in their marriage. Why do I have to put up with this person? Listen, there are people that have not bowed their knees to this world. I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. I want to tell you that I don't know I don't know who's going to hang on, but I know I'm going to hang on. I don't know who's going to be around at the end of the day, but I am. Why? Because I have purposed myself. I have invested wholly into these matters. Entirely. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. And so we as a church not need to be fly-by-nights and wait for the temperature. Let's, let's pull out our thermometer to see if, if we're going to... Listen, it's up to you to be next to the fire. It's up to you to fight the good fight. It's up to you to, to hang on with your hands. When your hands are no longer there, you hang on with your feet. And a big preacher says, I'll hang on with my teeth. And if they fall out, I'm going to hang on with my gums. I'm going to gum this thing. I'm going to, I'm not going to go away. I'm not going to be easily shaken. I'm not going to be easily moved. I know the times. I know what the devil's trying to do. I know how he wants me to lose out. 
But these are only the people that understand the times. And we're living some incredible times. The Bible says that, that the temperature of the last days will be disloyalty. Not disloyalty to me to because me, I've done nothing for people to be loyal to. I'm talking about disloyalty to Christ. Disloyalty to the gospel. People that would rather throw in the towel and go back to the way they used to be. And, and I'm telling you that these are the signs of the times. And we have to understand them. So while people are being disloyal to the Lord, I'm going to be more loyal. While people are, are denying the Christ, I'm going I'm to give my life for the cause of Christ. And so this is what God is trying to tell um, and through Paul, he's trying to tell the church. In verse 5, he says, So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. There's just, a, there's just a handful of people that understand what church is all about and are living this life. And if this is by grace, then it cannot be by works. There, there better be a presence of God in you. You can't do this on your mere will. You better seek the grace that comes from being humble. God gives grace to the humble. Humility is a great part of, of, of reinforcing the presence of God in your life. And if by grace, then it cannot be by works. And if, if it were, grace would no longer be grace. So I want to tell you that we're living these times and it's going to continue to change. It's going to continue to move and maneuver there's going to be good times, bad times, indifferent times. But in all these things, we need to press forward into who we are as the church. I'm reminded at, at the level of increase in these days of, of technology and the development. I hope you don't get lost in that. Sometimes it's so fascinating. I could sit there and marvel on the internet. Just 12 hours, just like, ah, look at this. Look at this increase of gadgets and technology. And, and by the time, you know, I refuse to buy an iPad. Why? Because in six months, something else is going to come out. And I'm waiting for that other thing. And this is how, how fast things are going. But I'm not anchored into these things. I'm anchored into the eternal things. I, these things will pass. But he who does the will of God will abide forever. And so people are throwing the towel. People are, would rather be caught up in the affairs. Daniel chapter 12 verse 4, as he gives a prophetic utterance about how the end of the times will be, it says, he came up and, and said, many will go here and there because knowledge will increase. I want the latest car because now it has 400 horsepower. Forget about that. Make sure you're not shaken in these times. Make sure that, that your gadgets aren't things that you consume yourself with because in two seconds, you'll lose eternal life. You'll lose the significance of things God has. In the beginning, there were two trees, the, knowledge, uh, the tree of knowledge and the tree of life. And it could be that you're spending six hours a day eating off the new technology and you're despising the tree of life. It's happening this day. But not to the church. Not to the church. No, not to the church. 
We need to be more consumed in our time, in our talents, in our treasure, our investments, in the affairs of the kingdom. We need to press in. If we don't understand them, I was listening to a pastor today. He says, I didn't understand the John, first John chapter, the, the book of John, the first John. He says, I didn't understand it. So I read it every day for 30 days. I like that. I like that. He said at the end of 30 days, he knew that book like the back of his hand. No one could steal that from you. When you're, when you're fully vested in these affairs, many will be moving in these words that were seen by Daniel. Many will be taken. In the last 150 years, we went from riding a horse that went 25 miles an hour to jumping on a jet that went like, I think it's like 3,000 miles an hour. Isn't that incredible? We, we went from, from the horse and the buggy to now airplanes in the last hundred years. We need to understand that technology and, and the increase of knowledge is happening fast. And the devil wants to fill yourself with the manuals and gadgets. And yesterday was Christmas and we're reading all these manuals to find out how things work. Listen, we need to find out how you work. How your marriage works. How your family works. Because it could be the case that you have the latest and the greatest and lose your family. And you build a shoddy family. And you build a shoddy foundation for the time to come with respect to future family. The Bible says in these days, Revelations 22, verse 11, there's going to be two groups of people. Group of people will be following that which they shouldn't be doing. And they're living in the wrong times, doing the wrong things, getting even deeper into that darkness. And then there's going to be a people that are going to do right and continue to do right. And they're going to walk in holiness and they're going to walk closer to the things of God. Who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? What type of Christian are you going to be? We're finishing this year. We're bringing a close on this year. And you know something? You can't go back to yesterday. If you were a, a, a cheesy Christian, if you were a, a lukewarm Christian, I love the fact that my nieces are getting on fire for God. And yesterday we were watching a football game, and somebody says, he's a Christian. And my niece says, but, but a lukewarm Christian? Is he, is he a cheesy Christian? Because I'm not interested in those no more. Isn't that awesome from a, a 12-year-old, 13-year-old girl? That she knows the difference between a real Christian, a sold-out Christian, a Christian that pays a price, and the cheesy ones, the lukewarm ones, the ones God's going to spit out of his mouth? It's, it's a futile exercise to be half-Christian. It's a, it's a sad attempt to concern yourselves with serving two gods. You know something? I believe that we need to be those Christians like Peter. That after, after Jesus came, after he denied him, after he was restored, he threw in the whole lot. He threw in the whole kettle. He was all the way vested in the kingdom to make sure that when Jesus comes back, there is no doubt Peter was going. And so in Acts chapter 3 verse 6, he has the, we have the evidence of a man who says, I have no silver or gold. What's that mean? I have nothing I could give you that concerns this life, but I have the supernatural. 
And what I have, I give you. There's going to be a time, and, and I know that, that I cringe about, you know, just let's say people that come into the house of God. And, and they want to conduct the affairs in here like they do out there. And it's not going to happen. Paul said like this, it's a hard thing to kick against the goads. What was the goads? Well, the goads was a stick like this. This is, this is a goad. The guy who was plowing the field had a stick called a goad. And he had the plow here and the goad here. And he was walking around. And every time the ox did not want to go in the direction that the plower told, he would kick the stick. But this had a real sharp end. And every time the ox kicked, who got hurt? The ox. So Paul was fighting God and the direction of God for his life. And so every time he was, he was, give me, how many kicked God like that? How many like, get off me, pastor. Leave me alone. You're going to get hurt, not me. Because the direction God wants you to walk in is for your benefit. So you could kick the goads all you want. And I don't know what those oxen's feet felt like after they kicked the goad. You know, you're, you're kicking. And, and God told Paul that. He says, Lord. What are you doing? He says, hey, man, it's a difficult thing to kick that stick, isn't it? Isn't that a heart? That, doesn't that hurt when you kick that thing? Yes, it hurts. It hurts when we contradict God. It hurts when we want to walk different. So here, Peter says, I have no gold. I have no silver. But what I have, I'm going to give you. In Jesus Christ's name, get up and walk. Get up and live differently. You don't have to be crippled. You don't, I, I'm convinced that many of us, because we don't know what God is calling us to, we, we're crippled, man. We're paralyzed. We can't take a step in God's direction. That's sad. The Bible says, he who wants to do right, do it more convincingly. Do, he who wants to be holy, do it more. Because I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a line of division where people are not going to be able to play religion in these last days. Either you're going to be for real or you're not. That, that, that gray there where we get to fake it, it's not going to happen. Hebrews 10.25 says one of the things we need to do more and more as we see the day of his appearing. He says, don't give up coming together. Don't leave the habit of being a part of the church. Tie into it. Why tie into it? Because we're going to see the miraculous we're going to see the supernatural. We're going to see God move. Who are those people? The people that are dwelling together in harmony. The people that have come together for that which is good. Those that celebrate the Lord's Supper, the Lord's table. Forgiving one another. God forbid forgive. God forget, for, forbid us forgiving one another. That's the only way we could be in this place. How many say amen? The only way we could be here is forgiving. Daily. A thousand times. You could teach this sermon 500 times. That when in the last days people get offended, their hearts are going to grow cold against one another. But you, do not give up coming together. Some of them do it as a habit. They just don't come together. But let us encourage one another as all the more, even more, as you see the day of the Lord's return approaching. Guys, I want to tell you something. 
that I know a lot of things will be shaking us, good times, bad times, ugly times, a lot of things will be shaking us in this season. But those of us that persevere are the ones that are going to inherit eternal life. 1 Timothy 4.1, it says clearly, the Spirit says in the last days, many will abandon their faith. They will give heed to deceitful spirits. They will walk in instructions that's not from the Lord. They're not going to walk according to sound teaching. I was watching a commercial yesterday. And, and you'll watch it in the days to come because it's a brand new commercial. This woman is riding a, a unicycle. She's riding a bicycle and she looks at the side. She says, my body is not the temple anymore. It's an amusement park. Well, there's only one verse in the entire world that talks about us being the temple of the Lord. And it was a, it was a cell phone commercial saying you need to be crazy. You need to do fun and, and have entertainment into your life. Forget about the, being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Forget about being the vessel of honor. Let's be in a music park instead of a temple. Let's, let's stretch a little bit and not be on base. And this is not a matter of whether you're liberal or conservative. Because a lot of people say, well, I'm not like them. Well, you know something? You can be conservative and lost. You can be reserved and be lost. You can have a political mindset that you are a righteous Republican and go to hell. Why? You're not connected into the Lord. You're, you're more collect, uh, connected into a political party than you are the presence of God. And I'm here to say that we're to be none of those things and we're to know that we are the church. We are those that have decided to, to fall within the boundaries of the body of Christ. Because the Spirit clearly says that many will abandon their faith following deceptive spirits. These are the, it says during the last days. This, this will be one of the hallmarks of the last days. Many will grow cold. Many will depart. Many will abandon. It says in 2 Peter 3.3, 3, many will make fun. It's almost like if you're a real Christian, people make fun of you. I've seen it and I've heard it in this church till I'm about to throw up. Oh, you listen to the pastor? Oh, you listen to Joaquin and Yvette? Oh, you listen? Listen to me. It's a good thing. While people mock, it's a good thing to have the counsel of God come towards your life. It's a sign of blessing. In fact, I've seen it to be a sign of a curse when people no longer have the counsel of wise men, the, the counsel of righteous. I ask people all the time, so who are you listening to now? I asked a man this week. He was doing everything contrary to what the Bible says. And I said, let me ask you a question. Who is speaking into your life? And he caught himself. He said, holy mackerel, no one. I said, well, I suggest that this is the counsel of God for your life. And he took it. He called me up later. He says, you know something? When you asked me that question, I found myself not having the words of wisdom that would come to my life. And the Bible says there will be a great famine in the last days of the word of God. People will go everywhere. They're going to witch doctors. They're going to, to psychic work lines. They're going, to, they're going everywhere because there's a great famine in the word of God. So it says in the last days, 2 Peter 3.3, 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days mockers. People who would rather follow their own desires than to follow God. And it's a good sign for you to deny yourself. It's a good sign you're headed in the right direction when you're not doing what you want. 
Hebrews 12 verse 26 says, In these last days, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Once again, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but I'll shake the heavens. Verse 27. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Can you say, Lord, take away everything and just give me that which is eternal? That's a scary thing. That's a scary thing for that to take place. For you to be where God wants you to be. And let me tell you something, once you're there, you will grow very fond of being there. It's a hard thing to get there. And once you get there, you're like, okay, the only thing I have is God, and God is enough. The only confidence I have every morning is the Lord, and the Lord is sufficient. God takes care of His own. Everything that can be shaken. And since this is true, and I'm going to tell you it's true, I don't know if, if there's going to be a, a crash like 1929. I don't know if, if, if political things upon the earth are going to get worse. I don't know if this Muslim thing is going to continue per, uh, uh, being pervasive through the earth. But I know one thing. I want to be on that rock that doesn't shake. I want to be, you know, like he says, built upon the place that when the rains come, the winds blow, the floods rise... Things from heaven, I'm getting attacked from things from the side, and I'm getting attacked from things underneath. Whatever that is, I'm not going to be moved. Verse 28, it says, to make sure that we're receiving this kingdom in this life that cannot be shaken. Being grateful. A big part of, of receiving what God has for you is being grateful. I was just talking to my son Brandon last night, and he says, Dad, what happened in Christmas that this didn't take place? I said, Brother, you better be glad for what did take place. You better be thankful, be contented with the things you do have. Oh, I got a pastor, but he just grew his beard, so I'm leaving. <laughs> Listen, at least you have a pastor. At least you have a church family. At least you have a place where you could come and receive genuine word of God. Something that prepares you to be ready before the Lord. That's why spring of life exists. We don't exist for any other purpose. Our vision is to, to be that people God wants us to be in this time. We're not going to have any regrets. People come, people go, people will be shaken. But we will continue to be what God has called us to be. A lot of people want, just like that video we just saw, the Me Church. There's a lot of those churches out there and a lot of those pastors out there. This is a place where we want to honor Christ above all things. Therefore, since we're receiving this type of a kingdom, let us be thankful and worship God in the manner that He desires, with reverence and awe. And that last verse is always a stunning verse, which is verse 28, which it says, because our God is not playing games. He's a consuming fire. The same fire that's here that's blowing into your heart should be the same fire that you receive when you're welcomed into heaven. And I hope that the fire in this place will burn away all the hay and the straw, all that stuff that really doesn't matter at the end of the day. What matters is if you know God and are pleasing Him and are working, walking like He wants. I am blessed to know that God will fulfill His purpose in this time and season. In Luke chapter 2, 
we have the day, eight days after Jesus was born. And, and we just celebrated his birth yesterday, the day before. And, and all of a sudden, we have him eight days later walking into the temple. And there was a man there at the temple called Simeon. And this man was there understanding the times. Luke 2 Verse 21, on the eighth day when it came time to circumcise the child, he was given the name Jesus. And that this is the name that the angel gave his parents before he was conceived. And when the time came for purification, and they were following the required custom of the laws of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written... Every firstborn needs to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice that is keeping with this law, a pair of doves. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, verse 25. He was a righteous man. He was a devout man. He was waiting. Say with me, waiting. That's talking about times, seasons. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What are we supposed to do during this time? How can we be like this man who had the expectancy of what God was going to do? He was trying to line himself up with what God was doing. He says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. How did he do that? Because the Holy Spirit was upon him. There was no greedy spirit. There was no lustful spirit. There was no disobedient spirit. There was the Spirit of God. I was talking to a woman this week and she says, oh, you're like Casper, the friendly ghost. I said, no, I'm into the Holy Ghost and you need to get saved. We're waiting for God to perform what he has promised. There's going to be a glorious church and that's what this place is supposed to be. I want to ask you a question. Are you spiritually employed? Are you doing something for God in this place? You guys see all the videos, you see the sound equipment, you see the cameras, you see everything, the decorations. People are serving God. What are you doing? I'm a lump in the log. I'm that little lump right there. No, get busy serving your Lord. Blessed is the man that when he returns, he finds them doing what he called them to do. Use your gift and your talents for his glory in this place. Why? Because this is where you're at right now. This is where you're at. Use your gifts and talents. I give thanks for Christina and Renee. They, they started coming to church like six months ago. And they said, look, I play the bass. Oh, well, we need a bass player. I could sing. We need people. Get involved. Lorna and Louie are, are drowned in responsibility. And what are you doing? I'm sad. Why are you sad? Get busy. Serve your saints. Serve the body of Christ. He says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Verse 26, the Spirit of God was upon him. It says that in that time, it had been revealed, say to me, revealed, to Simeon by the Holy Spirit. Who's going to open your eyes? The Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God come upon you so you could see that he would not die before he had seen the Christ. Verse 27. Hey, the third moved by the Spirit. The Spirit was upon him. The Spirit revealed to him. And now he's moved by the Spirit. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool that that this is a man that's moving not by worry, not by cares, not by selfishness? Tell your neighbor, that was for you. 
Not being selfish. Me, myself, and I. And by the way, you've taken six minutes longer than you should have. I'm trying to give you something that will move your life. If you can live me six minutes. The Spirit is upon him. The Spirit revealed to him and the Spirit moved him to the temple. That's a good spirit. The Spirit of God will move you to the temple. It'll move you to the people of God. It'll move you to reconciliation. It'll move you to generosity. It will move you to change the world. So it moved him to the temple of God. And when the parents brought Jesus into the temple, as was the custom of the law required, look at these two axes running together. A man moved by the Spirit who knows the times, who's seeing the revelation of God, finds himself in the temple with the Lord. I don't know you, but that's an awesome connection there. I want to have that happen. Verse 28. Simeon took him in his arms. I could just see this... This old man, he just grabs the Lord. And, and you too can grab the, the purpose of God for your life. You could grab a hold of what God wants for you today and not put it off till June of next year. Some guy told me, I'm going to start doing the will of God. I was so excited, he says, about June next year. <laughs> How do people think like that? How do people postpone what God wants them to do? I'm going to give to the church, but when I die... I'm going to pray you die today. Right? I'm going to give to the church when I die, Pastor. Listen, Lord, take them right now in Jesus' name. (laughs) Just kidding. Simeon took him and praised God saying, look what he said, verse 29. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now you can take me in peace. I've seen your glory. I've, I've put my hands on what you had for me. Now I could go before your presence knowing that I was faithful. I know that I finished my race. I know that I wasn't waiting in vain. I know that I wasn't moved by the Spirit to do other things, to put other priorities. Guys, I hope you're not moving for a career before the calling of God on your life because it could be the Lord comes back and you have a great career and you miss out God's time frame for you. Don't do that. Don't put that as a priority. Put God as a priority. Serve God as a priority. For my eyes have seen your salvation, verse 31, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, things God had prepared for you. He waited for them. He was moved in the Spirit and received them. That's what I want for us in this closing out the old year and starting the new year. I want us to have what God has for us. I want us to live the glories that the Lord has prepared. And not for us to be holding a stick and be holding some, some, some bitterness and some resentment and some sin. That's not what God has for us. Verse 32. A light. We talked about that on Wednesday night. The clarity of see, things seen for the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. The promises of God. Verse 33. The child's father and mother marveled at what he was saying. They weren't even clear on what was going on. Verse 34. Then Simeon blessed. Then Simeon blessed. We're going back to 34, guys. 
Then Simeon blessed and said to Mary, this mother, his mother, this child is destined for the cause of falling and rising of many. Listen to me. This Jesus that we preach is not going to stand everybody on their toes. Because for some people, this life is an offense. For some people, it's their downfall. He says, I have become the rock of offense. I, I'm the one that offends people. Why? Because he demands your priority. And some people don't want to give it to him. So that's the, he's destined for the falling of some and for the rising of many to be a sign. And will be spoken against. The verse 34, 35. And so the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. There's nothing that reveals the hearts of men but this message. You, you can't run from this. Either you are for real or you're a phony. Either you love God with all your heart or your wife makes you come to church. Ouch. Isn't that crazy? He's going to reveal the hearts of many. This is the place where hearts are revealed. Last month, a lot of crazy things were taking place and people said, Pastor, the devil's in the church. I said, no, he's not. The devil would be in a place where everything is hidden, where things are not revealed. Wherever things are revealed, the presence of God is there. He reveals the heart of many. And a sword will pierce his own soul. Talking about his parents as he was crucified in front of her. So I want to, I want to I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged not because of what I see in the natural, but because of what I have purposed in the supernatural. What I see in the spiritual. If I still see two people sitting here, I'm happy as can be. Why? Because I know people are serious about finding God. I commend Jurgen and Karina still sitting here even after going through trials. That's the type of people I want to be around. People that persevere in the midst of fire. People that wait through darkness for the light to come. People that sow so they could have a harvest of righteousness. And we go on with God. Let's stand this morning. We go on with God. And I just pray that during this season as we close out the year for you to meditate upon this word we have heard today. And I search the scriptures not to bring you any fluff and anything to be excited. I don't want this church to turn into a place of entertainment. I think the times we're living are so serious. There, if you read the rest of the chapter of Luke, there's a woman. Her name is Anna. And she too was waiting for God to show her his glory. She was 84 years old. And she thanks God because she was able to see the fulfillment of God. I want to be... Here, even in my old age. And we could say like the Songs of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 7. Listen what, what the bride says. What the church says is this. The many waters could not quench my love. That which God had for me is not going to move me because of the things that I go. Reading Psalms of Solomon 5. I want to read this verse because it's very powerful. It says there, The watchmen who go out about the city, they struck me, they wounded me. This, this woman was beaten. I, I know to be a Christian, you're going to be beaten. How could you go to war and not be? I was talking to a man the, the other day. He says, I was at war and the bullets were going right by my head. 
It's bruised and battered in war. And what does she say at the end of this verse, at the end of this uh, portion of scriptures, in Songs of Solomon? I've got to find that. Chapter 5. Verse, let's go to verse 8 now. It says, I charge you, daughters of Jerusalem, if you find him, tell him I love him. I'm, I'm overwhelmingly in love with the beloved. That's what it's going to take in this season for you to be madly in love with Christ more than any other thing. And then she says these words where she says that the many waters could not could not destroy the love I have for him. I want to encourage you. I don't know what's taking your faith. I don't know what's moving you to doubt. I don't know what's consuming you with cares. But let us say, Lord, I want to know the times. And I, know, I, I want to do what I ought to do during this season. Father, we give you thanks this morning. We give you thanks for this word that has renewed us in your presence. A word that's not human words, but we have just shared your scripture. We have opened up your holy book and we have eaten therefrom, Lord. Father, that we might thrive in that purpose. That we would be like Elijah and the 7,000 who would not bow their knees, Lord. Even though in the midst of different seasons, different times, adversity, affliction, opposition has hit us on every side. But nothing has moved us from serving you from loving you, from being a part of your people, from being encouraged and prepared to see your faithfulness come to pass in our lives. We offer ourselves in holy sacrifice, Lord, to you. Our time, our words, even our will, Lord. Not our will be done, but thine be done, Lord. For yours is the glory, Lord. We want to live for your glory, your power, your honor. We ask your blessing upon the families that have come here and the ones that have listened over the internet, Lord. I pray, Father God, that they would be filled with an earnest desire to press into the kingdom, to be identified as your church in these days, to lift the name of Jesus higher, that Jesus Christ would be the cause of our daily life, Lord, and that you would sustain us, O God. We give you thanks for your spirit being upon us, your spirit revealing these things to us, and your spirit causing us to move in the right direction, Lord. We give you thanks in Jesus' name, and the people of God say amen. Amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Hallelujah.